Hi, I'm Laura Cox Kaplan. You're listening to She Said, She Said. election of Nobel Peace Prize laureate and author Aung San Suu Kyi in Burma, otherwise known as Myanmar by some, represented great hope for democracy in the country. But an entrenched military regime continued human rights violations and significant restrictions on free speech and the media means that true democracy remains beyond reach for many in that region. Now, back in 2007, former First Lady Laura Bush, who rarely spoke up on matters of foreign policy while her husband was in the White House, made an exception where Burma was concerned. The plight of the Burmese people and efforts to encourage global democracy was and continues to be a cause for both Mrs. Bush and for former President George W. Bush. The institute they founded after leaving office hosts promising leaders from Burma, equipping them with the knowledge and the skills to succeed during democratic transitions like this one. Now, one of those liberty and leadership scholars, Vijayar, joins me today on the podcast to talk about her journey, why the pursuit of freedom and democracy is a priority for her, and we are so happy to welcome her here to She Said, She Said. Yes, I'm Obijaya. Yes, I come from Mon State in Myanmar. My hometown is located in a small island in the northern part of Myanmar. So I'm so happy and I'm so, it is a great honor to present here. Thank you very much oh, for bringing me here. Thank you. Well, I'm- To express my voice. Thank you. I am honored to have you here and delighted to have a chance to talk to you. Why don't we start with a question where we kind of level set what's happening in your home country. What should people know about the transition to democracy? Bring us up to speed on where things stand. Uh, yes, you know, in our country, despite our countries is in the transition, in the process of the transformations into the democratic society, but most of the youth are not ready to actively participate in the politics, and then they also in you know, afraid of to claim their like fundamental rights, their fundamental human rights, and their freedom. And also, you know, their traditional values and social norms and hierarchy power relations also holding them back. Therefore, they do not take initiates or engage this in the schools and in political, uh, in politics and economies like in Myanmar. So you know, this is also lacks of the kinds of the civil educations in our country. Therefore, like most majority of the young people, they do not, they are lacks of the uh, knowledge about the politics and critical thinking skills and analysis skills, and also lacks of the confidence. These are some of the reasons like are for above the problem. Mm -hmm. So what's happened for them is it's very easy to dominate us by the politicians who try to control us mm. because they are they are not like empowered by anyone. Right now, like even our countries were changes into the democracy, but most of the people I mean most of the people who is uh, who is having the power 
it is not easy for them to change mm. since they has been living under the authoritarian political culture. It is very hard. Sometimes, you know, they know it. It is not right to do. It is wrong to do. But it is not easy for them to change it. Therefore, we, we are like, we could not like expecting those people to bring change in our country for the better, like for, for, for the peace and everything. So from today, from now on, today, we need to like uh, empower the youth through the education, who's going to bring systematic change in our countries and who's going to create sustainable peace in our country. That's only youths can do it. But they need a good education sure. because only education can up empower youth. So that brings us to a really important part of our conversation, and that is you are embracing this notion of democracy. What does it mean to you? How did you become so passionate about this concept of democracy? Uh, when I was young, like, I grew up very, like, kind of the very simple person, simple daughters in the small village and very remote area. And how, and how large was your village? Sorry like, to interrupt you. It's about, like, about the 2,000 household. It's a very remote area at that time. So like at that time, even I have never seen the commuters, and I have never seen the TV that when I was young. I grew up in the family, it's a poor family, and then I got the chance to study at the school. And how but did that happen? How did that happen? After I passed 10th grade, I really want to go for the further education, but I know that my family could not afford supporting for my father's education. Therefore, I decided to work with Steve the Children, UK Myanmar, at that time, mm -hmm. since that time. And then, once I'm working with Steve the Children, I went to many different places. You know, I provide the awareness of HIV AIDS, uh, reproductive health care, and then human trafficking. And also, I also helped like, to set up non-formal education for the poor children in very, very remote area as well. You know, there's um, things, you know, there's are one thing that makes me feel so bad because most of the people, they laboring my work as the dentist because I was so young at that time, I talked about the reproductive health care. Some people, they said that this girl might have the experience, this kinds of experience, therefore they are talking about this and that. Because you know, in our like we are living in a very traditional societies and wares are dominated by men. And then what happened later on? My cousin's brothers, also my brother, they tried to stop me, like from promoting Komrom and also promoting Komrom in order to have the family plannings for the poor family. Sometimes you know, I, I myself went to the household if they need the condom from me. Mm. So they try to stop me. This is, you know, is this not appropriate works for the younger? You have to stop. But however, with the support of my mom and her encouragement, I do it like, how to say, I can do it with the confidence. You know, my mom told my brother, she's doing a good job. Mm. She does not steal anything from the other. Now she's helping to the other. I'm so proud what she's doing. This is, you know, the anguish and support from my mother. And then while I'm working with the children, you know, and there's a questions I want to raise. 
that I went to many villages. Most of the young village, uh, most of the young people from the village, they migrate to Thailand. Even they are at the age of going to the school, but they do not present at the school. But instead, that they went to Thailand to seek a better job for their income. And then, I'm just thinking, you know, why they? I'm very curious. What I attracting them to go to Thailand, mm -hmm. and. At the time, I'm also young. I am about 15 years old. So what does Thailand look like? Because for me, since I grow up in a small village, Thailand is far away from me. You know, even it's Israeli to go to the city, Morian. So you know, what is attracting them to go to Thailand? And also, you know, when I was young, I used to study that our country is rich in the natural resources. So where's those natural resources is going on? Natural resources. And then yeah. I, I used to talk with the poor people because I'm providing awareness of HIV every day. I really engage this with the local people and grassroots people. And then I saw them, you know, they're really working hard. They're really working hard. Why they are poor? Mm -hmm. And then I asked my mom, but my mom could not answer me. But instead that she gave me, you know, everything is controlled by the government. Even our home, it's the governments, they want to take it. They can take it, you know, we don't own everything. Because my mom, is, she has not a chance to study at the school. So this is her simple question, mm -hmm. since she grew up under the authoritarian government. But your mother, and I'm really struck by this part of your story, because your mom was a big part of the inspiration for why you embraced this notion of democracy. She really encouraged you. She encouraged you to go out in the community and help other families. Mm -hmm. Where did that come from for your mom? Like, even, you know, my mom, like, could not support me for my father's education, but she gave me completely free hands at choosing my path and knowing, like, what seems right to me. Mm -hmm. What would she say to you? How would she encourage you? One, she says to me, I give you eyes to see the world. I give you ear to listen, to hear the things. And then now, I give you the education as much as I can. So you can read, you can write, and use your knowledge to create the life you went from it. That's beautiful. That's yeah, really this is beautiful. the things she told me. And then therefore, you know, after I, f like, I finished my 10th grade, and then I worked with, with the children, with the experience, I learned, I raised a lot of questions. Finally, you know, there's something changed in my mind. Okay, I need to do something. And then I joined with the social movement. So I left my home, and I crossed time Myanmar borders. And at the time, I started to join with the social uh, movement on the borders. and. I learned about the democracy. This is first time in 2006 I start learning what is democracy. I start learning what's of human rights, and that's also what's of women rights and child rights, and what is democracy. Everything's about politics, politics. And I become the trainers of teaching other people about the democracy and human rights. Not only on the border. Sometimes I went back home secretly, and then I teach democracy and human rights at home, but not at home, you know, inside my state, mm -hmm. but it is very dangerous for me to do it if the authority know it. 
I will go. I I will enter us at NGL. And then I also like have run the campaigns against the 2008 constitution. In 2008, like one of my friends was arrested at that time. So I'm luckily that I escaped from this tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> from this tragedy. So at some point during this period, you also had an opportunity to study abroad. How did the opportunity to study abroad come about? And then while I'm working on the borders, you know, I realized that if I would like to bring change to my country, first I need to have the skill. I need the skills and knowledge. Without skills and knowledge, who's going to listen to my voice? No one hear my voice. Therefore, I'm studying English because, you know, since our educational system is very poor, this is not helping me to improve my skills and knowledge. Therefore, I, I start to have a dream, okay, I'm going to study abroad. And then I uh, learn English by myself, and then I'm improving, and at that time, I got a chance to join the woman internship. This is Ocean Burma internship for six months. Through that, I improved my English. And then after that, I got a scholarship from the Burma Lawyer Council. I started international law for two years. Again, I got a scholarship from the Child Dream. And then I started my bachelor degree in the international relation and development. Again, I got a scholarship from the Open Society Foundation to do my master degree at Central European University in Budapest, Hungary. Yeah. So throughout my academic like, uh, experience, I improved a lot of my skills and my knowledge. Even I'm not perfect, I'm not perfect, but I have some level, like some degrees of knowledge and skill to help my community back home. So when you came back from your studies, you started a foundation. Talk a little bit about what the foundation is designed to do. This is the idea that I'm happy since I was young because of my mom as well. <laughs> Sorry. That's like, okay. you know, as, as you know, my mom have not uh, opportunity to study school. It's very emotional. That's... And <clears throat> so, you know, when she go to the city, when she went to the cities or like other place, even they write a bit, they have a bit sign, they are writing uh, which way you have to go, what's the place, but. She couldn't read it. Oh. <laughs> so you created a foundation to provide opportunities for other people so that they would not have the same experience yes. that your mom Yes, has this had. is exactly, you know, even my mom was like my mom is illiterate, but she's understanding the values of the education, good education. She really understands. You know, I'm always thinking if my mom gets opportunity to study in the school, she are going to do something different in our community. Even like her situation right now, she have a lot of poor people. Even she, she's not raised, but she likes to share the things with the other people as much as she can. Yeah. For example, you know, she runs a small grocery for but she said the rice when the poor people, they do not have money. And then she give them, okay, you can take that, you can, you can pay me later. And then sometimes people come when they don't have money, they come to us and 
three lenses, how many, okay, she just gave it. So there's many people in our village that my mom used to help. Therefore, you know, I'm always thinking, if she got like, she become the educated person, she can do a lot, lots of things. That's, yeah. that's definitely. And established Jamwa Foundation. Jamwa means hope in English. Hope. So generally, you can say it's, it's hope foundation. And the, I, why I really want to do this, through the like, freedom that my mom gave me, and then I can explore to different all around the world. For example, I'm studies in Thailand for many years, and then I got a chance to learn uh, like how the Thailand developed their country, and I also got an opportunity to studies in European country. So while I'm studying there, I went about like almost 20 countries around the EU country. And then I start to realize this, how's the freedoms and education's importance to improve in your country. And then if, you know, I start to change my, like, my living style, not my living style, you know, my thinking concept, yeah. it changes a lot. So I'm just thinking, you know, if I establish that foundation, there's a, there must be many children, many young people who likes me, who is like my mother, like they are really passionate for the education. Therefore, I need to give some hope to those people. And then I'm going to give them kinds of the like requirement, like give them kinds of the like requirements for applying the scholarship. So it's kinds of, you know, for the people who live in, in remote area, it is not easy for them to accept lots of the scholarship opportunity because they live in rural area. And then sometimes even they know this is the scholarship opportunity, but they cannot grab this kinds of opportunity because they do not have the skill, then the requirements of, do not match the requirements of the scholarship. So this is income of this ideas, kinds of, you know, my organizations like the bridge, this is the young people in this side to go this side. Okay, now come and step on this bridge that I'm going to build for the young people. And then because, you know, if most of the young people have a good educate, uh, if become the educated person, they will become, you know, skier uh, citizens who is, who is going to do some things to bring change in our country. Maybe they might become they become effective leader to bring, uh, to bring the systematic change in our country and to create a peace for our community. Yeah. You are very entrepreneurial in your approach. You've taken and created something that is a pretty unusual concept in your country. Where did that notion of entrepreneurship come from? First of all, you know, I only have the desires and the idea to, to implement this idea. I do not have money. Actually, I need a lot of the financial support to implement these ideas and this dream. But I take uh, the advantage of studies in the Europe, study as Central Europeans. During my break time, during my holiday, summer holiday, I start to visit and talk with the Mon communities 
in the other country. So while you were studying abroad, yeah. you were meeting with sort of Mon people. Mon people, ex expatriates. We oftentimes refer to folks that are sort of living outside their country yes, as yes. expats. So you're meeting with the expat community from your Mon community about helping you fund this effort. Yes, I'm persuading them and convincing them to give me fi like financial support. And then I also use the social media as well, especially Facebook. You will know sometimes I saw someone's really active on the Facebook and then I start to introduce my name and then I share my ideas and my dream. So there's are many people who agrees with my ideas. And then but you know, most of the people when I like explains my idea ideas to them, wow, this is great idea, but no one thought, okay, I'm going to support you this and that. They just said, This is good idea, this is great idea. And then some people said, no, you just dreaming on the air. It does not going to work. You know, don't, don't try. And some people are like giving me these kinds of feedback. Right. But, you know, for me, there's one thing about me. If I'm thinking I want to do this and that, I don't want to stop when other people said it does not work. I want to try. After I'm trying it, and then let's see the results, whether it works or not. Without doing anything, I don't want to say it does not work. Mm -hmm. Because this is coming from your brain, coming from your heart. So how can you ignore your brains and your heart? So that's a really good point. But lots of people were saying to you, this is a silly idea. You shouldn't be doing this. I'm not going to give you money. They were sort of shutting you down. You said, no, no, I'm going to do it anyway. Where does that come from? Where does that, we call it chutzpah, right? <laughs> Confidence and chutzpah. Where does that come from for you? Uh, for me, you know, when I met the people, I, mean, like, I always talked about my ideas. And I, I can say I'm, I'm good at the public speaking and I'm good at the convincing to the people. There are some of the people, they, they told me, you are born with it. <laughs> You're born with it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the reason, you know, in my like Mon community, at my age, they are not able to do fundraising amongst the Mon community. Only the monks are able to raise the fund from the monk. But I do it. But even not so many people support. But there's a I got some money to start with my foundation. Again, I use some the religious influence for my like for my foundation benefit as well because in our community, like people are uh, they devoted themselves in the Buddhism. So if like they have voice but they have one dollar, if they have to choose if they want to donate their one dollar, like either my foundations, educations or either man, majority of the people they will choose to donate one dollars to the monk. To the monk. Yeah, yeah. To the because church, basically. Because they, they, they believe in, in the future, you know, if they donate money in the future, they will have better life, but now I need it. But I, I persuade this to the mom, monk, and then I ask the monk, can you give me the place, like, to open the school? And I explained to him about my ideas and like uh, how I'm going to organize the school. And then the monk agrees, okay, I'm going to give you the place where you can 
where you can run your school. Why do you think he was convinced? Um, because he's also educated monk as well. He used to study at the Sri Lanka for his master degree. Mm -hmm. Therefore, she's, he's also passionate for the education as well. And also, you know, there's a, in Mon State, there's are many kinds of the program, but it is not free. But my foundation is free. He, this is another reason, you know. He said that we need kinds of the free educational institutions for the poor children. This is another reason that she, he accepted me and to use his temples as a school. Yeah. Vijayar, how unusual is it for a young woman in your community to be as outspoken and as confident as you are? In my village, I'm the only one person who can speak what I'm thinking. Of either gender. Yeah, yeah. Because, but you know, there's also uh, discriminations against women in our society, you know, since our society dominated by men. But for me, as I mentioned, after I'm studying abroad, I do not afraid at all. And then also, my, my, my father's also plays a good role, like to give me more confidence as well. So what did your father do like, to give you confidence? My father's also involved this in the culture, mon culture, literacy movement, something, you know, some small organization. When I was young, he always brought me with him when he attends the meeting. And then he put me, he put me beside him, but generally, you know, in our society. Oh, this is not the child place, so go away. This is the meeting for the adult. Child should not be here. My mind that does not do like this. He always brought me to the meeting and put me beside him. This is also confident I think I got from my father as well. Sure. Most of the people, they know, oh, women, women should not go abroad. If you are a woman, you have to stay at home. Mm. And then stay at home and good at cooking. And then after that, get married, after you graduated, and then get married. And then stay with your husband. This is the happy life of women. They just believe in like this, you know. Mm. But now my mom is totally different. Not even, you know, I do not say my mom is kind of the modern mom, but compared to the other mom, in the very traditional society, but my mom, the way she's thinking is much, much better than other mom. Yeah, so how does your mother feel about what you're doing now? She's really happy and she's really supporting me as well. This is a part of family supporting each other. Therefore, you know, I can focus on my foundation. Yeah. Because most of the people I know, they believe that, okay, now you do not have the personal income. How can you run the foundation? And then some people, they said that your foundations are not sustainable. Uh, it's going to disappear one day. They just give me this kind of response. But my family is totally different. Okay, devote yourself on this fear if you are interested, if you want to do. We are going to support as much as we can, they just told me that. It makes me so happy. Yeah, and you've just stayed focused and stayed the course. Yeah. So let's talk about what you're doing right now. The Bush Institute is hosting you as a scholar. What have you learned as part of this program? First thing, you know, I'm really like, uh, 
unable to expand the networking amongst the scholars, amongst ourselves. Because uh, this, so the, so the program is made up of 23 yes. different scholars from all over Burma, so yes. not just your your region or state. Yes, yes. Called states or? Yes, states. States. Call state. Not just from your state, but from all over the country, right? Yeah. So you're networking with them. Yes. And why is that important? Let me like uh, talk about little bit my scholars. That these are all from the different ethnic group because our country is uh, very diverse. We have many, many different ethnic groups. So all the scholars, uh, they come from the different ethnic groups, very diverse. One thing, you know, is it's really good to, to share different knowledge each other and different experience. And then also, is, uh, as I mentioned before, it is a good opportunity to expand this the network. Because for me, since I'm studies in abroad for many years, so I do not have a lot of network with the NGO, NGO who is going to support my school. So now, you know, by knowing them, by making friends with them, I ask them, where can I, I ask their suggestion. Where can I, like, when, where can I get the financial support for my school? And then again, in this, like, this uh, liberties and leadership program brings me here. And then I also have opportunity to, this morning we just met with the UNAs, and then I talked to them, and I explained my, like, foundations, and I asked their help. I'm not sure in the future whether they're going to help me or not, but as I mentioned, I have to try first. I never stop trying to do something new. This is, this is my, I think this is passionate for me. <laughs> right now, you know, I, I have the problems with, for my foundation and school. There's just two problems. One problem is financial. The second problem is teacher, the skillful teacher, skilled teacher, because in my school, I try to improve my students their English skill, because if they do not, if their English skills, uh, if their English skills was not good enough, they won't have a chance to study in abroad. They won't have a chance to apply for the scholarship. Therefore, I really try to improve their English skill. Uh, I try to set up like kinds of the social science in my school, where the students can learn about the, the politics and economies and developments, also not only the, only the domestic politics, also international politics, because I studies a lot about the international relations, you know. And I myself can teach them for the international relations, international politics as well. Even there's no teacher, I still can teach them. I still can help them to improve English. But I try to bring the English teacher to improve their English. Uh, Vijayar, you had an opportunity to sit down with former President George W. Bush and Mrs. Bush. What did you talk to them about? Actually, I talked about the peace process and ethnic conflicts in our country. Asked him not to forget about the ethnic conflicts in the northern parts of Myanmar, and I also asked him to help promote this peace through uh, getting factual information from both sides. Because you know, if the peace conflicts in our country become the present, the freedom, like she, he's mentioned for the President Bush, actually I learned from him some things. He said that uh, this is the 
uh, the best hope for the peace is expanding of the freedoms in the whole world. The so best hope. Oh, say that again. The best hope for the for peace. For peace. The best hope for peace is expanding the freedoms of entire world. Expanding so, the freedoms of the entire world. So, freedom is universe. Right now, the U.S. foreign policy they pay less attention to the ethnic conflicts in the northern parts of Myanmar, but they pay attention. Uh, they have paid a lot of attention on the Rohingya issue, because we are also the victims and human being like the Rohingya people as well. Please pay more attention for our sufferings. This is the things I ask, just the viewers. Actually, I want to, can I give a message to the world leaders? Of course. To say here, to talk here. Sure. So you have a message for wo world leaders. What is that message? Like the message is that now I'm on the lens of the freedom, therefore I enjoy the freedom here. But since I was young, I have, I have never had a chance to enjoy such a freedom in my country. I feel at the time I feel I am like I have eyes, but I feel I'm blind. Even you know I have the ears, but I feel I'm dead, because you know my country was ruled by the authoritarians for many many years. Even I have the knowledge that knowledge can raise my voice. Back at home, you know I do not have freely to express my opinions for the politics. It's, there's no no freedom. If I express my opinions about the politics. It's where affected to my school. Mm, Maybe right. the, the, the governments were like they are Shut going to target and smith and they are going to get trouble to my school. So you worry about so, your own safety yeah, and also the future of yeah, your school. Therefore, I could not speak out, like I could not criticize, I could not express my opinions and my idea regarding about politics. I still cannot hold back myself, okay, I need to do some things. If I don't do anything, to reduce the sufferings and pain feel by the, the victims of aggressions and oppression. So, you know, I would like to get the message to the world leaders. You know, right now, you know, civil wars in our countries, ongoings and widespread, widespread of the violations of human rights, like against non-Bama ethnic groups is being ignored. And until today, no one's like, even people in our country, they start to forget things about the like the internet conflict mm -hmm. that is going on in the northern parts of Myanmar. Mm -hmm. And in our country, like democracies alone could not provide the solutions to the internet conflicts because of like we also have the constitutional crisis, which go all the way back to Myanmar independence from the British in 1948. Right now, like non spammer ethnic group, they are demanding for the federal democracy system as well as the political equality and also the freedom. That is not like uh, constitutional granted. So they are still fighting for, for the federal system. Kindly would like to ask to the world leader, please pay more attention to the Myanmar, like, uh, internet complex, and also to the like NTP people, who's are uh, trapped in the complex area. 
sometimes I got I received it message from my friends from the NTP. You know, recently the government like do not allow the government uh, blocks all the humanitarian is going into the NTP camp, mm -hmm. which is like controlled by the ethnic armed group mm -hmm. to like to promote peace in our country. Like the war leader should. Uh, should get the like factual information from the both party because most of the like foreign power they they go to our country without uh, having both sides information. Sometimes you no, know, it could make a mistake without the the factual information. So they must need the factual information from the both sides from the conflict party. Sure. And there's one thing you know, as you know, what is going on in our country. But most of the our governments, our, uh, our governments, they fears to reverse war crimes, crimes against humanity, and genocides, and also the exploit the exploitation of the natural resources in the ethnic areas are still allowed. So if this situation is going on, there's no peace. The civil wars were not ended. And then what's what happened, the peace is just in the dream. Mm. Peace is just a dream. Yeah. And consequently, rule of law just become a joke because the, 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 the people who commit this the serious crime, they have been enjoying this immunity. The whole system will collapse when, where, uh, when the rule of law does not exist in our country. Vijayar, you are incredibly brave and very inspirational, and I really appreciate you coming on today to talk to me. I'm really happy to share about all these things. I feel better now because now I can, like, my voice will be heard. Thank you for your willingness to speak out, and thank you for everything that you're doing to promote democracy as well. Thank you very much. To learn more about Vijayar and the Bush Institute's Liberty and Leadership Program scholars, check out the links in the show notes for today's episode. I'll also post a few photos from our visit today. And if you're enjoying She Said, She Said, please be sure to share it with your friends, urge them to subscribe. You will always find incredible and inspiring women like Vijayar who are passionate and committed to making the world a better place every single day. Thanks so much for listening.